Quiet on the set. Okay, everybody, quiet on the set. Scene one, take ten, Marker. Studios of the Modern School of Film. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, an itch in time. Actress Angie Dickinson is with us. Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you. I am the founder of the Modern School of Film with you on Murmur Radio. Website is, coincidentally, murmurradio.com. <laughs> it helps, <laughs> mnemonically. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, at MSF Murmur. You can download the show. You can subscribe to the show. You can listen to the show anytime as I do iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Check it out. If you have a subject you would like me to tackle on the show, email me directly, murmurradio at gmail.com. Send me the subject. I will match it with a guest. And if you want to come on to chat, to look back, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, at the past, (laughs) we'll bring you on, Murmur Radio. Murmurradio at gmail.com. Welcome. Welcome back. On every murmur, it's one subject and one guest. Today's guest, do I have a drum? Do I have a roll? I ate a roll this morning, but I don't have it any longer, is Angie Dickinson. Angie, where do you start? I want to skip a stone. Let's skip one. Over 90 films. Have there been over 90 films ever made? She's been in over 90 films. I wonder sometimes. Uh, She's been in over 100 TV shows, uh, appearances, um, most notably in terms of TV. She was nominated for her work on Police Woman, also created some TV history, which I want to go over with her today, which is not the subject. And I'll to find the subject and why that's not the subject. Uh, She has acted with a litany of some of the greatest actors ever, from people like Brando, Robert Duvall, another Robert Redford, Jane Fonda, Lee Marvin, Rod Steiger, James Mason, Robert Mitchum, some guy named John Wayne, some guy named John Cassavetes. And speaking of directors, she's worked with Brian De Palma. She's worked with John Borman. She's worked with Roger Corman. I mean, come on. Are we talking about these things today? Yes and no. Today's subject is the past. I want to talk today about the past with Angie to see how can we use the past? How do we use the past? The past is a yes and no. People who are wrapped up in art oftentimes are romantics. This just in. And romantics, the operation of romanticism is looking back and acquiring and bringing forward. So the past is always in play. How do we detach? When do we detach? What value is the past? I love the past. Historically, have I loved the past too much? Absolutely. Guilty as charged. Are you the same way out there? Absolutely. Whether it's a a romance, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a family get-together, whether it's a vacation, whether it's a film, misremembering, re-remembering, the past has so much interesting metaphor attached to it. And not so remarkably, some of the greatest quotes and words of wisdom attached to it. Do any of them work? Let's see which ones work for Angie. 
Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Some guy named Kierkegaard. And what's interesting about that is I'll split the difference with some guy named Kierkegaard. I don't know who this guy is. He may have a chance in the philosophy field, but until that day, I think we can understand it as if we look ahead. I mean, I, I like to skate where the puck is heading, not where the puck has been. But in terms of understanding, truly, purely understanding, maybe going back is the way to grasp. But how tightly do you grasp the past in order to move forward? Because you must, you must decide. The best baseball players don't pick up a bat and grab it as tight as they can. They find a looser predicament for holding a bat. The past is sort of like that, the loose predicament. Nietzsche, another guy who I think may have a shot in the field. (laughs) Freud and Nietzsche, oh my gosh, those two, whenever I read them. Anyway, Nietzsche said, when we are tired, we are attacked by ideas we conquered long ago. Now, is that the past? Well, I do think the past is always behind us. And yes, this just in. The past is behind us. But what I mean is it's impregnating our decision-making process. It's part of the decision-making process. How active a part of the, the process is up to you. There are good parts to it. We learn, we change, we move on. We learn, we repeat, we move on. But sometimes the past can remind us of something that doesn't exist and won't exist again. That's where the past becomes a problem, a real active mirage of a problem. Angie Dickinson, to me, represents so much of this odds and ends of looking at things in the past, especially movies. As I tell my students all the time, movie makers traditionally begin as movie lovers before they are practitioners. And that relationship to the past sandbags a lot of filmmakers oh, it won't be as good as Ashby, or, oh, you know, Wells was 24 when he made Citizen Kane. Oh, my gosh, I suck. You know, artists, it's not just artists, it's all fields. All fields have a relationship to the past. I always find it funny when people criticize modern athletes. Oh, the athletes from the past were better. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, athletes are just getting worse, obviously. <laughs> Slower and, and, and less in shape. Yeah, nutrition is, is at an all-time low. <laughs> How could that be? <laughs> they may be referring to skill set, but in terms of the evolution, things evolve in such a way. Past can be a precautionary tale when you look at the modern society you live in, whether it's economics, politics, We may not want to repeat certain parts of history. So past in that way is a guidance, is a rail around your bed, pardon the metaphor. You're not a patient. (laughs) I am in that encampment guilty that cycles do repeat, whether they're economic cycles or political cycles, comings and goings, moralities. We look at morality differently. A politician sleeping with someone now is looked at differently than it was 20 and 30 years ago. And some of that shows the triviality of the behavior. Some of that shows that we should have been watching more. And entertainment and art is going through that now. And corporate culture is going through that now. We should have been watching more. So the past can make something very banal, but the past can also say, you should have watched. (laughs) Look back, don't stare. I like to stare at Angie Dickinson's films a lot. But again, they are the push-pull relationship of how we view those things. We want to hold on to certain things we loved. But then if you compartmentalize them, instead of saying, oh, those movies aren't made anymore, let's make them again, or oh, those works of art aren't made anymore, let's make them again, or, or oh, that product doesn't exist anymore, let's, let's recreate it again. How about saying that was great then, what's happening now? So we can compartmentalize this. As I've grown to reconcile the past, the present, and the future, I like to let go. It's one of the hardest things I face as an observer and an executor of things. I don't know how much Angie is going to want to talk about the past. (laughs) And that makes her the perfect subject. (laughs) She once said, I am not Doris Day. And well, in full disclosure, I'm surprised she came on because I know she's had a mixed relationship to the past. She famously, 1994, walked off walked off the TV program, This Is Your Life, where they bring in all these people of your life and, and you don't really know why you're there. She was invited to New York because she thought she was meeting Brian De Palma, who directed her in Dress to Kill, who she loved and thought was a wonderful collaborator. It turned out her sister was there and Bob Hope was there and Burt Reynolds was there and her sister Janet was there and her daughter, the late Nikki Bacharach, who was the progeny of her marriage with Burt Bacharach, was there. She walked off. Not on your effing life. (laughs) No, this is not my life. My life is still going. A lot of people don't want to stop and do that. Uh, This is your life of greatest hits because they feel they are still in motion. Angie is still in motion. She is an octogenarian. So 
We have a really difficult time as a culture. I think it's a world culture. It's definitely a U.S. thing. Most pronouncedly, when things age, when things go on. We only look at Angie as wanting to reflect back. And that's another reason why I invited her on, because I do not like reflecting back with guests. I want to use the back to examine something now that is evergreen, that moves on. The past is not going anywhere. If Angie Dickinson never made a movie in her life, she has a personal past. She has a political past. This just in, she has something to say now. I hope she doesn't bite her lip. <laughs> she has a fascinating past. Born in North Dakota. I haven't said that a whole lot on the show. Born in North Dakota. Raised in Edgeley. Edgeley, little trivia for your cocktail party. Some literary experts think, or inexperts think, that Frank Baum, L. Frank Baum, who wrote Wizard of Oz, used Edgeley as a model for The Wizard of Oz a place he called the edge of the world, or at least Angie called it the edge of the world. Angie has come a long way, baby, from the edge of the world to L.A., where she still lives. But what an amazing opportunity today to talk about the past with someone who almost doesn't want to talk about it. The past as a tool, the past as a lens. There's so much to be gained. And especially when I think of people of a certain age, there's so much to be learned from people who have lived. So let's try our part today. So let's try with Angie Dickinson. Oh, who's also, I just found out last night she was in a movie called Rio Bravo. <laughs> it was really her first home run film experience. She had been in some other films. She had done some TV, met Sinatra through TV. We'll get to some of that. But her legs during Rio Bravo were insured by Lloyd's of London. Mine are too, but it doesn't really matter for Murmur. It matters for most of my other times of my day. More about that never. Um, before we welcome in Angie, Quentin Tarantino once said that before he got married, I guess he's married now, he used to show his girlfriends Rio Bravo on their first date as sort of a test, as a litmus test. It's a cute, cute anecdote. It is. Guilty. But it it shows you people's really not only mixed relationship and thought process and reflection on the past, it's kind of a fair weather use of the past. Yeah, it's fun and it's cute and it can make a a great first date story sometime. But I do think it shows a life navigator of a certain stripe does carry the past actively. As a, as a signature of intelligence, of taste, of art, of life, of living, of necessity. Someone, I think, who has all those things and more. <laughs> and the look. She may not feel she has that Angie look anymore. I do. Some things you never lose. Today on Murmur, Angie Dickinson. Now this. The sun is sinking in the west. The cattle go down to the stream. The red wing settles in her nest. It's time for a cowboy to dream. Purple eyes in the canyon. That's where I long to be with my sweet good companion. Just my rifle, pony, and me Gonna hang my sombrero On the limb of a tree Coming home, sweetheart darling Just my rifle, pony, and me Whippoorwill in the willow sings a sweet melody. Riding to, riding to Amarillo, Amarillo. Just my rifle, pony, and me. No more cow, no more cow to be roping, to be roping. No more stray, no more stray. Will I see round the bend? Round the bend, she'll be waiting. She'll be waiting for my rifle, pony, and me. For my rifle, my pony, and me. Hey, that's real pretty. Go on, play some more. Why don't you play something I can sing with you? 
Well, it's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up, stashed behind your couch. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds and the ink stains that have dried upon some lines. That keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory and keeps you ever gentle on my mind. It's not clinging to the rocks and ivy planted on their columns now that bind me. Or something that somebody said because they thought we fit together walking. It's just knowing that the world will not be cursing nor forgiven when I walk along some railroad track and find. That you're moving on the back roads by the rivers of my memory And for hours you're just gentle on my mind I dip my cup of soup from some gurgling, crackling cauldron in some train yard my beard a roughening cold pile and a dirty hat pulled low across my face. Through cupped hands round a tin can, I pretend to hold you to my breast and find that you're waving from the back roads by the rivers of my memory, ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind. past has a lot of fun, quizzical, sobering metaphors attached to it. One of my favorite is, it's okay to look back at things, but just don't stare. Uh, but there is value in looking back. There is value in the past. History has proven that history is proven. So today we're going to talk about this concept of the past with someone who knows a thing or two about a thing or two. She's a veteran of more than 90 films and TV movies and hundreds of TV appearances. She was raised in a place where some consider to be the end of the world. She's also a card shark. I have it on good authority. Uh, we call her a tin horn. Uh, that's what we're going to call her. Uh, she could beat anyone, including the Rat Pack at poker. She tamed John Wayne, beat up Lee Marvin cinematically, of course. She's a history maker, a big bad mama twice over, but mostly she's a survivor. She said it's hard to define beauty, but I think one of its qualities is a generosity, a reaching out. I think I had that. I'll disagree on one point. She still has that. Please welcome to Murmur into the Modern School of Film, Professor Angie Dickinson. Angie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. What a lovely introduction. But I did not beat the Rat Pack. <laughs> <laughs> I have a brain that lets me know, don't play with a big guy. <laughs> right. You know, if, if you don't know who the fool at the table is, it's you, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, uh, let's get poker out of the way. Are you still playing poker? Is that yes, still? I still play, yes. It's very hard to find... Uh, people and make a good game and it's not a good game if it's fewer than seven and it should be eight so it's hard to get those of equal intent some people play to for money and we play for fun yes not once every couple months we we have a we get eight good people together and it's uh, still my favorite uh, uh game or my favorite pastime. It's interesting, you know, those first moments when you're on screen, Rio Bravo, you're, you're shuffling cards, you're kind of playing with cards in a way, and mm -hmm. I was wondering if the audience even knows that you are a poker player. Uh, w were you into poker before Rio Bravo, or did that start it? I was out of uh, first year of college, uh, second part of a second year in, uh, let's say, 53. And so I started playing that long ago, um, some friends who who lived near where I worked were in the movie business. 
they were stuntmen, and they had a poker game. And I said, oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. I've, I've been playing ever since. So there it is. You have me naked. <laughs> <laughs> Interviews concluded. We've discovered her fixation. Yeah, uh, we true. we Mission accomplished. I want to thank you for doing this. I know, you know, they say life is supposed to get simpler, but I, I think for someone like you, life doesn't slow down. So I want to thank you. Yeah. I was thinking as you're saying that about your dad moving the family from North Dakota to uh, California for the production boom. Do you remember that? Do you remember being aware of? Oh, of course, of course. I was, uh, I was eleven. Film was, you know, in its forties at that point, relative infancy. Was it an exciting time to be in California, or as a child, was it just kind of you were along for the ride? Oh no, the war broke out. Mm. You know, there was no ride. So um, if you're asking me related to Hollywood, uh, had, you know, it was just normal war, life with the country at war. Yeah. But the war was not in our country. We didn't suffer um, the, real, the real war, just the effects of it. And I don't know how to say it without going on for two hours. No, well, well, was, you uh, said it. Normal, normal, li- normal living. Well, you said it, and it's always interesting, I think, you know, Hollywood's relationship to the war. Again, we could talk about for 15 hours, whether it's Jack yeah. Ford or Duke Wayne, someone you know very well. Hi, John T. Just a second while I get my shoe tied. Well... It's all over, isn't it, John T? Where'd you get those things? I wore them the last place I worked. Why are you wearing them now? Oh, tonight's a big night, Consuelo. Thought a little entertainment might help. I'm going to do a song. You need a rig like that to sing? (laughs) You haven't heard me sing. My legs aren't so bad. Consuelo thought these tights might help. But you don't like them. I didn't say that I didn't like them. And you don't want me to wear them. I didn't say that either. Is it because they show so much of me? They certainly do that. Oh, you're a stubborn, stubborn man, John T. Sometimes I know what you're thinking, and other times you just can't make up your mind about me, can you? You like what you see. You like kissing me. You like what you touch. But you decided in the beginning what kind of a girl I was. I haven't helped much. I wore these before I met you. I wanted you to know it. To know what kind of a girl you were getting. I wanted you to get that funny look on your face and tell me not to wear them. It didn't work. You didn't even get mad. I told you once you wouldn't have to say anything. That I'd know. I don't know. So you're going to have to talk. I'm hard to get, John T. You're going to have to say you want me. Where are you going? Downstairs. You better not. Why had I better not? Because I'm still sheriff. You wear those things in public, I'll arrest you. You know, today we're talking about this abstract concept of the past. Capital P. Do you think back a lot? Yeah. Yes, I do. It's uh, because it's it's not all pleasure, but um, uh, it forms our our present so much. Obviously, that's a duh, but um, not just the memory of and all, but what happened to us and what we did and and how we did it and whether we had courage at at uh, at fourteen. Or whether we cowered or said nothing or whatever, it, it forms our future for sure, our whole life. Mm. Well, you, you, there is a booby trap, as you know, with being obsessed with the past. I'm, I'm not, you know, and I wonder, do, do you ever catch yourself thinking too much about mm. what's come before? I mean, what's the downside of the past in that basic sense? I don't spend a lot of time analyzing myself. I think I spend too much time talking about it to others <laughs> yeah. who aren't yes. interested. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because most, if Guilty. it's not your past, they are not really very interested. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, yeah, we shouldn't spend too much time dwelling on the past unless it directly relates to the present. Mm. You know, it's interesting. We're speaking with the Angie Dickinson. Uh, honored to speak with Angie today. America doesn't do well with, let's say, age and as things age. 
That's right. a career or a life. When we think Angie Dickinson, do you think our culture knows how to deal with artists of a certain vintage or human beings? You know, that's a big question. Yeah, sorry, um, <laughs> it's no, early. No, no, that's all right. Listen, I was guilty of it when I was young. I thought, get off the road, you old bag. <laughs> I did. I. I practically yelled it out the window because I was uh, 18 and I had a license and I was a bat out of hell. So I know that that happens and it's it's just a it's a it's a duh. It's just going to always happen that they're going to kind of look down on or make fun of uh, elderly people. Just it just uh, I guess human nature. They cannot cannot understand. It isn't that they don't want to, un- well, part of it they don't want to understand, yeah, but they cannot understand beyond their own lives. Hmm. Yeah. Their answer would be, why should we be interested? That would be their question. Well, will you now have a clarity, though. How do you feel now about it? In the sense of, let's say you're on the road and someone honks you and says, come on, move your car, lady. Do you you have a forgiveness because you've been on both sides, or do you... No, I still yell back. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I know that was coming? (laughs) (laughs) When you're driving and you're in that move your ass, uh, you don't uh, don't think logic, you react, however, and as I say, I I yell back and um, practically get in fistfights. It's just awful. I never grew up from that. Thank God. I, I don't I wouldn't mess with you. You're a disgrace. All of you drinking and gambling, kidnapping my innocent daughters and corrupting them. Come on, Joe. They walked in here their own free will. The hell they did. Now it's it's just all good clean fun. Then you're gonna pay for your fun. A mother's still got some rights in this country. Hey, you can't do that. The hell I can't. Come on, baby. I'm defending my little girl's honor. You know, know, I was thinking of TCM this morning. Again, I think it's a gift from... Oh, they had Rio Bravo on last night. Did they really? You know, also what's wonderful, Rio Bravo is being celebrated by the Venice Film Festival this year. Uh, I did not. And they have a classic section every year in their festival, and Rio Bravo was was up this year. So, oh, that's fantastic! And you know, it's in the Library of Congress, and it should be. I mean, it, yes, this is it required is. reading. You know, uh, famously, Quentin Tarantino says he shows it to every one of his first dates. Yeah, he loves that movie, and rightly so. It's a movie you could watch. You it, can watch over and over and over and over again. It's a masterpiece. It's like a great book. It, it's, it really is. It, it really is. One of the most famous, inter- infamous, or I think fascinating and, and ballsy instances of you in the past is, and again, not to relitigate this, but I want to look at it differently. This is Your Life, 1994, hosted by Ralph Edwards. You walked off. God bless you. What? what mm-hmm. How do you look back on that? You know, and what was the resistance now? You said it was vanity at the time, but how much was it going back? Why I said, no, you're, no, you're, this is your life, and I said, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, they tricked me yeah. and told me that I was going over to NBC to record uh, a new show where the director Brian De Palma, talk with yeah. one of the stars, Brian right. De Palma. Uh, about uh, Dress to Kill. I was thrilled because I love him, and he's a great artist, and he's a, a, just a great movie maker. And so <clears throat> when they said, this is your life, and I just you know, looked around, where is Brian De Palma? I was serious because it was just such a shock. Uh, I mean, it, I didn't say, oh, damn, they trapped me. No, I, I was... I was shot in, uh, off to the moon. So I said, no, I am not doing this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ralph Edwards wrote me a letter um, not long after it and said, you know, I wonder how many other people did not want to do it. And I want to say, Ralph, duh. <laughs> <laughs> they have a clip of Nat King Cole trying to get through the draperies to get out. <laughs> <laughs> and they all pulled him back. But then I said, I'm going home. And yeah. Take me home. So I didn't even know who was there. I didn't even know my daughter was there. Amazing. I, I'd, the next day, my sister called. She said, good morning, it's Janet. And I said, oh, 
hi. And she said, well, hope you had a good evening or something like that. I said, oh, were you there? She said, I'm your sister. (laughs) (laughs) They asked me first. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the past, why did I not basically want to do it? Because I believe the only way to do that show is for the guest star to tell why that school teacher is up here mm. with me now. And I tell how great the school teacher teacher is or was or what effect he or she had on me rather than sitting there like a dunce for an hour while people say stupid things about me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's done like a bad surprise party rather than a real yeah. review. Good for you. But, you know, what's interesting is being with Angie Dickinson on Murmur, some of your great loves, family and and professional, were there. Your beloved late daughter, uh, Bob Hope, was there. Uh, President Ford was there. I mean, these are not trivial people. And also, to segue a little bit, Burt Reynolds was there. Sadly, a recent passing. Bert had been sick. His career had changed, and his life had changed. But you know, you've—I'm <laughs> telling you things you already know. Apologies, Angie. Uh, you—you don't know you're telling your audience. Yeah, exactly. And I just—I and also in case you're wrong, you expect me to exactly. Well, that—that—that's the bottom line. You'd work with uh, yes. Bert twice. Sam Whiskey, uh, 1969 and 1994, The Maddening. Don't even pronounce it. It's the worst movie ever made. <laughs> I'll scratch it for the record. <laughs> oh, please, blot that out. Okay. Oh. Tell me, uh, but when you heard it, when you had heard of Bert recently passing, what was your reaction? Well, I had talked to him just two weeks before, and uh, and that always is a, uh, is a, then a double surprise because he was coming out here, and I think he was going to do a Quentin Tarantino movie. He didn't even say why. I just sort of know you know that and. And I just, I said, yeah, just give me a call. Let me know when you get here, kind of thing. And and uh, he sounded good, but we talked briefly. But I also knew he was quite ill yes. for, for some time. We did a, a a charity thing in Key West about three years ago, and uh, and he was frail, very frail then. And yet, after the, our our you know evening presentation that we were there for, we went to the back room and huddled with the uh, the big shots, and he told stories, and it he was he was thirty five again. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, and he he was he had no effects of of his aging and his very heavy difficulties even at that time. He he must have weighed five pounds. He was uh, so frail, and yet when we went to the back room and he started telling stories. He was uh, in his prime. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. It was beautiful. absolutely, uh, it was extraordinary to watch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and a wonderful thing to see what the body and the spirit do when they get together. What I love about what you're saying, amongst other things, is that you, you've known him for so long. I always think about that people we know in our lives for so long. You know, you know I was thinking about, you, you mentioned North Dakota growing up. You grew up in the Depression. Yeah. Well, except when you when you're in it and you're four years old, you don't know it. No, and and good good families don't make you aware of it. You know, uh, well, I got fed. That was a good day. Yeah, I have a theory. Tell me, fight me off, or, or tell me what you think. That you know, life tends to repeat itself. Do you buy that? Do you think life has a way of like not that the the past becomes present and then the past becomes present? You know, things flip over. Do you think that we're going through a cycle when you look at? what we go through as a nation now, because you've lived through that cycle. I'm not smart enough for that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm, really, <clears throat> I'm really not. Um, I, well, I'm just not smart enough, I'm, and I'm not educated. Uh, the, the business, was, when you become an actor, that's, a, that's so, so all-consuming. It's yeah. like being a musician. You, that's all the time you have for it, because the, the, by the nature of... Uh, of uh, the process of going for the part and then uh, getting the part or not getting it and then studying for it and going to work. I mean, I'm a policewoman. I did 92 episodes, and it was like being in a a mixer, a cement mixer. I was just churned for four years. Amazing, amazing. That's all I would give them was four years. So That's why it wasn't on for five years. Right. I was smart enough, but not smart enough. I should have given them... (laughs) Because it was really brutal. Policewoman, um, three Emmy nominations, 
criminally, so to speak, underlooked is that you were the first female lead ever on TV. Uh, that's criminally underlooked. I'll say that again. I, I want to talk about actors, though. And, Let and, me just interject for a you, second. It's your All dime. Right. It's your dime. Just um, <clears throat> two nights ago, I was with Stephanie Powers. And, for instance, she told a story at the dinner table. And she said, and that's why I was the first uh, female lead in a in a in, a, in a television, and of course I did not interrupt her <laughs> or interject, and we've discussed it before, and she has a thing about it, which she's entitled to. However, it's not that I was the first uh, female star of a uh, series. I was the first female star with a profession. Mm. Um, uh, the man from Uncle, I never saw it, so I don't know how important she was in the story. But my point is, uh, I am in a field, and I was a success in my field, so I am not normal. (laughs) Normal people keep trying to get jobs all their lives to survive, and or that their children will get jobs to help them survive. I mean, that's normal. So when you talk to a person like me, I'm not normal. Next on Police Woman. Ah! You want to get out of my chair, hunky? Make me, motor mouth. They busted her? They busted her. Now you better tell that little dictator that I want my bread back. You set it up. You're coming on kind of heavy, ain't you? The heaviest, Cora. Maybe it'll be you ends up dead. Stop! Next on Police Woman. That's not normal. <laughs> no, but you're a survivor, you know. Uh, I yeah. mean, uh, but, but, but and I'm not, I'm not debating you because I, I love what you're saying. You know I do I, know what you're saying. I, I, I am not a carpenter mm. uh, uh, whose life goes on in different directions and all. Well, ours do, do too in some ways, but it's just, uh, I don't know. It, 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 there's just something different about the arts when you're in the arts. And that's why I think people should all study music. When they're young, or or science or something, or it's something to reach beyond their needs, but their interest and their passion. That's a remarkably balanced thing to say. So let, let me ask you the the opposite: Should an artist study carpentry? No, I I I, I by na- by the nature of actors, they're constantly living um, a different life. So mm. they they already somewhat are sympathetic to the, quote, other people, normal people, because they have to study them to play them well. That's a great point. Uh, yeah. So it, to, to some extent, they're not ignorant of, of, of uh, the world going around them. They have to be in, in touch with the present world to act that. They're studying it. You know, I was thinking of mm. someone you know, Marlon Brando, uh, yeah. studying apes to play Stanley Kowalski. Uh, famously, De Niro studying taxi drivers, becoming a taxi driver. And I want to talk a little bit about maybe your wheelhouse. The women that you grew up admiring on the screen, Dietrich or Grable or Turner, they were, you know, in your words, more passive, you know, in that you seem mm-hmm. to fall in love with Bogey and Peck and, yeah. and you know, s- some of the actors you were working with. And we talked about Brando, but you've worked with Mitchum. You've worked with, you know, Duke. You've worked with Steiger and Mason and uh, guys named Lee Marvin and Sinatra. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you know, I could go on for an hour talking about the luminaries you've worked with. What is it about that, though, when you think back on your role in roles? I mean, do you think acting styles have changed? Not to go too granular, but do you think acting has changed? I do, and I think Mr. Brando is seriously guilty of, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> happily guilty of bringing reality, although they always said that Marty with Ernest Bur- Borgnine was the, one of the first real, real people <clears throat> that you felt you were watching a real uh, a person. He was so um, physical. Mm. 
or whatever. You know, you could dispute this forever. Forget the fact that movies have changed. You know, you as an Academy member, I'm guessing you're still an Academy member, I'm guessing? Uh, yeah. Well, yes, well, I am. So I have problems with what the Academy's uh, doing. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in the third beat. We're in a mid-beat here with the Angie Dickinson. I'll keep saying that. I can't say it enough. It's like I'm dreaming a little bit. But, um, you know, t- talking about these larger-than-life, let's call them men and women, but, you know, the men you fell in love with watching, do you think the style of of the movie star has changed? There are generations of movie stars and maybe, you know, folks like Tom Hanks and Nicholson, De Niro, th- those guys were movie stars as well. But do you think stylistically we have changed? 1954, as you say, on the waterfront, changed almost everything. But do you think that those heroes that you loved would have careers now? I never thought we'd have this kind of a world now. Mm. So everything that's in it has changed thanks to that thing called the iPhone and and science. <laughs> <laughs> because of the progress uh, with everything we touch. And my world is so cockeyed now, and I do not like it. Mm. And I do not like the direction it's going in, and I can do nothing about it. The problem is now you are you don't get a well as far as i know you don't get a part because you uh, are desirable and people will come to see it because they like what they see and all that you get the part because you're part of a message but you're not a movie star uh, or uh, it's so it's so hard to explain but nope there are no movie stars anymore because everybody's a movie star so when everybody's a movie star, nobody's a movie star. <laughs> that's right. If you have two starting pictures, you need one, you know, on that day. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, you, there are, and, and as long as they, because they want to be the star, they're watching something not because they like it, they are watching it because they want to be that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you said something that was that signified a lot of the change. You said something about uh, when you played B Ocean in Ocean's Eleven with with your pals. You said uh, the part of B Ocean is too small for a star, so I was lucky to get it. You said I was lucky to get it. Can you picture an actor saying that now? Can you picture an actor saying I was lucky to get this role? The oh, humility. Yeah, I think so. A few of them. Mm. Yeah, I think I can see. I can see Emma Stone saying that. I can. I I, I don't know her, but uh, the one from Hunger Games, which I hate. Oh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. So I can picture Jennifer Lawrence saying that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do tend to take the piss out of themselves really well. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Well, well, you know. But that's not, but that's, that's not who I think we're talking about. We're talking about what people watch every fucking day. And it's in their pockets and in their piss and in their... Oh! Now, just sit there and don't interrupt me. I've got a very big deal going on. Large chips, carloads of them. That sounds familiar. That might be so, but this time it's true. Oh, good. I like to have rich friends. This is one rich friend who wants to spend a bundle on you. Gee, thanks. Okay, that's settled. On the morning of January the 2nd, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to hop down to Rio, so you pack a bag. You're serious? I honestly think you're serious. Well, of course I'm serious. A week's trip to Rio? Yes. <laughs> oh, Danny, what a prize you are. The only husband in the world who'd proposition his own wife. Well, I married you once, and it didn't work out too well, so what's wrong with a little hey-hey? Nothing. Nothing at all. I'd never knock it as long as there was a little love involved. You mean there isn't? On your part, not much. There's only one thing you love, Danny. That's danger. Cliffhanging. You could never love a woman like you love danger. And as long as your luck holds out, you'll stay in love with danger. As long as it keeps coming up heads. Let's say you're right. Let's say you're absolutely right. But remember, I did not invent myself. What's that supposed to mean? That means I do not own the patent. And I can't change it any more than you can change yours. And anyone who says he can is a liar. I didn't expect you to be perfect just because I fell in love with you. Going down. Just a second. 
And it wouldn't have hurt you to give me the same break. I don't expect you to be perfect. I want you to be my husband. Going down. Going down. Where they serve the drinks. To the bar. I could, I'm not saying this because you're here. I could watch, you know, your films days on end, but our attention span and our taste levels have changed, haven't they? Is that part of your reaction to the modern world? Because it's connected to acting. You know, I asked about Bogey, you know, but it's not just Bogey. Could Lee Marvin, could the Duke have a career now? The Duke, we look at sex appeal so much differently now. Oh, yeah. Don't, no, I know, but, but, but you can look, imagine how I feel about this. Uh, <laughs> no, well, you know, you t- I'm a sexual woman. <laughs> no, I've I'd read that somewhere. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, let's let's just you know let's let's be disciplined. But I, right. I can't I okay. can't be naive and not ask you again about Bogey because I do think he's he is the poster oh. child for so much of all this swirling around. And you did mention him. You know, Bogey oh, was yeah. Bogey was not a pinup model. Let's be honest. But That's right. you know, could does that work anymore? You know, great talent. You know, or do you have to be? Do you have to be talent now plus a certain image? Yeah, I un, unfortunately, let's look at the uh, movies for the weekend and what succeeded and what did not. Let's just look at the, sure. the, as the Monday report for <laughs> what people went to see, right? And uh, what they went to see is not what we would go to see. We used to go to see those idols, Bogey being one of the main ones, who made us want to uh, have an idol. And I don't think they have idols now. They mm. want, I, I did not go to, I did not love Marlena Dietrich because um, I wanted to be her. I watched her because she was watchable and took me mentally and emotionally away. Uh, and now they all want to be the star. Yes, yes. And if they are reflected in the star, they love that star, but it's because of the me time in our world. It's all about me, not that. We've pushed the needle from ego, which is healthy, to narcissism, which is unhealthy. That perfect. You said it. You wrote it yeah. for me. I just read it, basically. Yeah. No, well, no. I think so, there's a difference. Go and, on, and please. I, and I think, yeah, I don't think that that uh, uh, big rock will will stop rolling. Uh, where does it end? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, so the answer. That's the. Would I? Would we now? Now would we go to a, a Gregory Peck and Humphrey Bogart movie? We meaning the country. Right. These are different human beings sculpted in a different way, and and that's not mm-hmm. today. And and I lamented. No. Healthily, you know, we're talking about the past. We we because we, we do have to respect the past, but also you know use the past as a tool. Uh, I do want to yeah, learn from it. Sure, th- that's exactly right. Some things are harder, though, as you say. Like certain boulders yeah. are going to roll, and certain trains are going to yeah. go I mean, forward. You've worked with most of the leading men in Hollywood, or a lot of the actors. Mm-hmm. Who do you find to be attractive to you? All of them. What do you mean? Oh, no, come on. You can't, you can't literally mean that. i tell you the one that, since we're on the subject and my subconscious is on the sensuous, yeah. one of the most sensuous men I've worked with is Robert Mitchum. Bob Mitchum, he yeah. He is sensuous. Well, he walks and breathes. It's the eyes. And, it's the eyes. He's yes, got that deep well, brooding, yeah. brooding quality. He's a good example to me of sensuous. Yeah. Anybody, anybody else? Anybody <laughs> <laughs> a man who begs and whimpers, but uh, no, we've, known each other, we've known each other too long for you to look at me in, in, in that capacity. <laughs> right? Right? I've been looking at Robert Mitchum a long time, too. Sure, I think you're sensuous. You're well, sensuous. You see, I you're just, cute. I cute. Men don't like to be called cute. Would you like to be called cute? Um, well, I'd take it over a few others, but I, um, <laughs> prefer, but cute is one of your, did I get out of that one? Yeah, you're, you're getting out Cute's of it. Cute's one of your, you are cute, sorry. Well, that's nice, thank you. You're stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> Such is the burden we go through life with. <laughs> Mr. Cute will be back in just a moment. <laughs> 
as we move into our third act here with Angie Dickinson on Murmur, you know, there's an admixture of something we want to call morality in the business. And you're, you know where the bodies are buried. You know, you know, you've seen a lot of the great and the not so great. But, you know, we are in a new age where morality and art has had a new comeuppance. You know, whether it's Me Too or people, you know, being looked at differently or filmmakers, Woody Allen, Roman Polanski. Mm-hmm. Don't bite your tongue too much. But, you know, you're gracious and grateful. But I, I just I do want to hear what your vantage is on this. Do you think, you know, a lot of the sexual mores, the, the physical visual mores are about time? Or do you think we're making a lot about nothing? I mean, you said one of your most famous quotes is to Johnny, to Mr. Carson. Uh, Johnny to you I'm sure I dress for women I, I dress for women I undress for men if someone yeah. said that now someone would yeah. take a gun and shoot the TV no yeah uh, exactly that whole that whole thing of course it's a big dilemma uh, you're not allowed I mean it's it's I, I don't I can't say I'm not blessed enough to be able to talk succinctly and well, I, I'm, I'm making a list of the things you're not you're apparently not intelligent you're apparently not blessed um, these are all <laughs> am- amongst the lies you've told us today you d- you know you said something you've said a thousand things that are were 10 and 15 20 years ahead of their time if not more you said something in 1978 not to date this but I just want to be clear you said I always felt lucky because in this business if you don't get exploited you don't get a job has that changed? I mean, you literally uh, said that 40 years ago. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but yeah. I think it has. I do want to buoy it back to a lot of the ideas of what's being exposed now. You know, people doing things for roles and, and producers taking advantage. Do you think this is a good time, though, that people are speaking their piece? Or do you think this is another boulder that we have to look at differently as it rolls? I'm going to not get into this. Okay. Because I'm going to be, I'm going to regret it. It, it. It's too big an issue to deal with briefly, and and I can't do that. Hollywood is still male dominated. Would you subscribe to that? And do you think there's a absolutely? I don't even let you finish the question. No, that, that's no. Well, that autobiography that you didn't write in 1989, I want you to have a whole chapter. You owe me a chapter on this um, topic. One other topic before we say goodbye to Angie Dickinson. I think you're one of these fascinating artists who has not been afraid to mix so many different genres, politics being another one. You've also been very public in terms of interacting. Hell, President Reagan slapped you in the killers. I'm sure it Mm -hmm. broke his heart. Do you th- well, it did, because yeah, he, that was not his style. No. Do you think the mixture of Hollywood and, you know, art and politics and sex and scandal, do you think we overblow this stuff? Or do you think that the mixture of art and politics can be something that's healthy and, uh, and we can still separate what is political and what is artistic? I don't think anything about the present day is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, first of all, I mean, I wonder how how do you fall in love ever? Because everything is caution, don't touch me. The fact that Al Franken was making a joke did not even touch that woman's breasts. He merely uh, um, uh, well, someone uh, yeah, he's, there was a photo. He, he pretended yeah. to rub her breasts, and the man has to resign. Excuse me. We have gone too far in judgment and then in action. And this demand, I demand this. We demand he step down. We demand she step down. No, I hate it. You know, you talk about the Academy recently. The Academy kicked Weinstein out and kicked Polanski out uh, as well. What do you make of it as an artist side? You know, Polanski and Woody Allen being reviled now, more or less, in this country. Let's leave Europe out of it, because I think, you know, I know you almost moved to Paris once. You know, maybe, yeah. you, sh- maybe you should have. But, <laughs> but uh, you sound more Parisian right now to me, uh, Catherine Deneuve. But do you think that's unfair to Woody Allen and Polanski? Uh, let's yes, leave I Weinstein do. out of it, because that's been a, yeah. di- a car wash that is a really, really thick car wash. Let's do yes, Woody. That's right. Let's do Woody and Roman. Do you think Polanski yeah. and Woody have been unfairly looked at? Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's as if, uh, uh, oh, Picasso had a, an, an affair out of marriage. Oh, let's not ever buy his paintings again or revere him again. What the fuck has that got to do with it, with your art? No. 
Well, and the academy to kick out Polanski, I would imagine that must have been a ding when you got that news. No, I I didn't think it's fair at all. Uh, not at all. He he made a great movie and he got the Academy Award for it. Now we want to take away his award. That's not how it works. This oh. <laughs> well, I and also the trouble is I'm not articulate enough and I'm not informed enough. Now, I yes, I read all the stuff, but I still feel that you and I still don't know the whole story. You, well, you, you say there's a rush to judgment on everything now, and, and yeah. that, that is what's common between politics and art. There's a rush for, to judgment. And on, also a rush to make people stars. Yeah, well, you know America. We like comebacks, but we're going to do it on our terms. You know? <laughs> and, no, but yes. you, you know how that is. I mean, Hollywood is ripe with people who have had drug problems and other problems, and we, we don't like that unless we control it. You know, So everything's got to be done... On our terms, I, I, I want to, you know, as we round back to the past a little bit, we've been here graciously with Angie Dickinson. I have one wish for you and then a question. Here's the wish. I want you to look at your uh, ability differently as you go on in your life. You know, this idea that you're not intellectual or don't have the right to say something or hold a view. I think there's no more eloquent a spokesperson for what we've been talking about today as you. So that, that's my one wish. I'm also objective. Yeah. Um, and I also um my mind, unfortunately. That's not unfortunate, but I do realize I'm not playing poker with you ever. Um, the, le- <laughs> the last question I thought about the past, you know, it is this weird irony. And I was thinking of something I think you said around um, Dress to Kill, how when you were filming in New York, people would yell out, you know, go get him, policewoman. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though. What is that melancholy for you if people remember you a certain way as policewoman? Oh, or, I love it. Mm. I love it. I would like to be remembered for anything <laughs> or everything, um, as opposed to, uh, uh, well, don't talk about that. Uh, that's the past. No way. I, is that what you're asking? Yes, actually. No. How would how would some? Oh, it would be like like saying to Lou Gehrig, <laughs> uh, well, enough with the baseball. Didn't you play football, too? <laughs> well, you know, I was, thinking, I, I was thinking of someone you met, Ernie Banks. You know, you're talking about your beloved Cubs. Yeah, Ernie said, let's yeah. play, too. You know, if Ernie was yeah. going down the street and someone said, hey, weren't you the guy who said, let's play, too? You know, uh, I, I mean, some artists don't want to be remembered for the one thing, right? I mean, does Bill uh, Shatner, a, a co-actor of yours, want to be remembered as Captain Kirk? I mean, it's it's an honor to have people remember. Of course, yeah. Uh, but I but I know what you're saying. Some people say, "Oh God, don't, don't go back that far." Or right. can can we deal with something else? No, they can. You can praise me all you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one, th- one thing you said not too long ago as we say goodbye, you said it was a more or less apologetic idea of that you don't have that Angie look anymore. I, I Again, it's on my list of things I disagree with. But do you think about that? Y- you, oh. Do you think about yeah. the Angie look? Yeah, every day. Y- yeah, when I don't want to go out. Uh, yeah, it's... But um, but it, that's okay too. Uh, no. I I walk still. I I don't use a cane yet. <laughs> I but I don't look like I wish I looked. But nobody does. It can't be. It's not possible. Mm. How do you feel? You know, I buried the lead. How do you feel these days? Physically, not too bad. Uh, this is Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> All day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I listen. And my five-year license, I got to go take my test. <laughs> I say, I'm sure that'll be my last one. Uh, but um, you know, I'm uh, as they say, I'm 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 not um, hobbling, and I don't have a major disease that I know of, and uh, and I'm very very blessed. But I but my memory, my memory is. Uh, really starting to go so if you're planning on calling me again you better make it <laughs> well you know here's the silver lining in your memory my memory is pretty good and i'm not going to forget this you are a wonder i think you're um we've not met but you've we've been in touch often and you've always been really gracious with me and and uh, i don't think in this country we know how to deal with people as they move through their life 
onward, whether they're artists, no less human beings. And, and, but I know how to deal with you. I will not forget this. And your work will always be an inspiration to me and countless other people. So you've done your part. On, on, you've done your oh, part. No matter what you do, Ms. Dickinson, you've done your part. So I want to thank you. And I just want to give you a blank check. If you ever have something on your mind, an itch you need to scratch, you call me and we'll, oh, we'll scratch it together. An itch you need to scratch. That's really nice. Well, you've been a, a total pleasure. I, and I don't usually like talking about myself. But I've rather enjoyed it. You are awesome. And uh, until we meet again, until I make a pilgrimage out west to, to say hi and buy you lunch, all the yes. best. And if I can be your humble assistant, just let me know. Let's do that. Thank you, Miss Dickinson. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank Angie Dickinson for being here with us on the show today. I want to thank you for being here with us on the show today. But you could be with Murmur anytime. Anytime. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher download the show subscribe to the show review the show share the show talk about the show if you have a subject you would like me to tackle on the show i will match your subject with a guest all you have to do is email me murmurradio at gmail.com you can come on and chat as well if you want about your show your episode your subject your guest it's your show really i'm just here see ya